Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. Dairy Public Library's annual Dodgebook Tournament has the audience on their toes as we enter the second day of action-packed excitement. We take you live to sports correspondent Dr. John Hellijohn. Thanks, CM. Today has already been a historic chapter in the sports history, as a War of the Worlds ended with the H.G. Welts giving a farewell to arms to the Ernest Heming Slays. These bitter rivals have shown us once and for all for whom the bell tolls. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Kahn. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. What's up, constant readers? And today, we are back with round two of March Madness. Josh, will you tell us this pickle we've gotten ourselves into? <laughs> uh, March Madness, in case you did not start with episode one, which is a weird flex. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, we... <laughs> We are taking the second batch of 16 books we've covered, and we are whittling them down to our favorite slash the best by all of the arbitrary ways Mm. we decide all of our ratings on this show. And I got to say, round one, pretty solid. There, there There was at least one surprise. I wasn't upset by any of the... The way any of that turned out, mm. but I feel like that's going to be a problem moving forward. <laughs> yeah, round three is always intense. It's going to be no different from this one. This this episode, round two, has got some very interesting matchups. I think much tighter than all of them in round one. So, you know, I'm not even going to give you guys a heads up. What? I'm not going to tell you ahead of time. We're going to take oh. this match by match right. because I am very excited about literally all four of these. Mm. All right. So as a reminder... I will say the matchup, we'll toss it out, we'll talk about one book, talk about the other, and then we'll round robin our votes, which I believe begins with Ben this episode. Sure. So our first matchup, we have Cell versus Dreamcatcher. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Who wants to start this off? The cream of the crop. Well, I know CM's a big Cell head. What? (laughs) You got a boner for phoners. What? Yeah. Do you, do you not remember your phoner love? This you, I don't understand I? this gaslighting that's happening. See, see, uh, I believe the episode two is titled Do You Side with the Borg? Because Sam <laughs> was defending the phoners the entire time. Listen, to say I have a boner for them is slightly misleading. <laughs> but it but, does rhyme. But it does so, rhyme. You see, I, it's so, catchy. I guess I have to relent to it. Yes, yes. that's fine. Boner for phoners. It, Put it we, on a shirt. No, you've reminded me, with the exception of Alice, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like the people who were left were just dicks (laughs) and really did a lot of things that they shouldn't have done. And I guess I'm talking about Cell first. I guess Josh, you forced me. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, I forced your hand. (sighs) I also remember that this book does not feel like a Stephen King book to me. The writing felt like someone heavily inspired by Stephen King, doing something that for them would be like a real cool, like close to Stephen King book. But it was just so 
like off in certain places and like nobody agreed with me, which is fine, but I still feel that way about it for some reason. We talked a lot. I mean, we talked about the beginning feeling like a slapstick comedy. So oh, kind of tonally, yeah. it is kind of all over the place. Yeah. No, I, I, I never know what my opinions were back then. It's impossible <laughs> to know. I'm a different person. I, f- I agree with you that this feels the, the writing was not mm-hmm. up to par. It feels very the the whole book feels disjointed mm-hmm. in ways it's drifting from set piece to set piece but it doesn't it never feels like natural it never feels like it really settles into mm-hmm. uh, anything i don't know and i like you you already have a leg up because i love end of the world stuff mm, yeah and it just and it's an interesting premise. Very, it's, yeah. uh, it's a kind of a spooky premise. And I feel like there are other, I'm not well-read enough to think of what they are, but I think that this is like a theme. There there are other stories of like... Technology causing the apocalypse. Uh, yeah, yeah. A- about specifically like a pulse-like thing going the out. The signal. I, I can't yeah. think of what um, the story is, or the author, but there's a short story I read one time in which somehow scientists have developed a picture that kills people. There, there is a, it's described as like a black and white shape. It's an image where if you see it, it scrambles your brain. And so now people have to live in a world knowing that somewhere at any time they could look up and see something that kills them instantly. That's horrifying. Exactly. Yes. Like this world, TV's no longer a thing because someone could hack into it and instantly kill hundreds of thousands of people. Ben, you're not supposed to talk about better stories. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it, writers, it, readers, if you know what I'm talking about, since I'm like, I don't know, it's a thing I read on the internet years ago please write in because i'd love to read it again so it's like a scary idea Mm -hmm. that some technology that we use every day and don't think about what if it were weaponized against us but it never i i there are so many directions that i can think of for this book to go that feel more interesting i wish it leaned into the idea of the humans being the villains Mm -hmm. Because it kind of hints towards it, and like it is, we see that the phoners are this evolving, evolved, yeah. yeah, and so they're just like wanting to evolve and become this hive mind. And I think it would be more interesting to have it take the "I am legend" approach, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and it just feels like it never really gets there. I really liked the way that it subverted the zombie apocalypse expectation Mm -hmm. where in so much of that zombie post-apocalypse we see you know the how the world changes because we time jump most of the time uh with those stories but watching our protagonists the the simple things like during the day wait during the night because the phoners were only active during the day during the day Mm -hmm. they would sleep in houses and they like how they would put their shoes outside so you'd know people were in there watching how the living society evolved around all of this and it never felt like with zombie apocalypse it's always one person their immediate group of survivors and that's pretty much it unless there's uh an antagonist group of mm-hmm. people this time it was just 
all of human society, like the times where there was just groups of people walking together and having these conversations, uh, watching that collapse, mm-hmm. I thought was so cool. And then doing what initially, if this was a zombie story, what the heroes would do, lighting an entire football field of corp of uh, of phoners on fire, yeah. running over them with the whatever that vehicle was while you're passing a bottle of scotch back and forth, getting hammered, running over people. Yeah, I give him the first one. The second one, inexcusable. <laughs> I fully support it. They're all monsters. And, and yeah, I just, I, I liked a lot of that. And then Alice's death, man. Yeah, Ooh. that was rough. I, the first time I read Cell, I remember that scene so clearly because it infuriated me. Mm-hmm. It for For being a book that I don't care for a whole lot, it is one of the most effective deaths yeah. because it it is so pointless. Pointless. <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. It is uh, so surprising, and it's another one of those characters that, like Alice, is built up in my head because mostly because of her death. As mm-hmm. to oh, I really like this character. We don't really get that much of her. She kind of shows up and she dies a lot quicker than you remember. Yeah, we we get enough that we we know she's. She's gunslinger material. Yeah. yeah. And we know her enough to root for her. Yeah. yeah. And of all of the people in that party, she's the one she's the that heart. there is to root for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, and I do love the, the, I mean, the movie's terrible. Yes. Um, yes. But <laughs> it, the, when the ice cream truck guy has put all the explosives in there mm-hmm. and it like lures him out there and he's like, hey, there's some stuff and then kills himself because he knows the phone which could read his mind and he mm-hmm. wants them to. And then they undo That's, it by yeah. uncovering all the explosives <laughs> immediately. But still, like there are so many complex ideas when you take, oh, this is a kind of a zombie apocalypse story. Oh, wait, it, it isn't. They're not like zombies at all. Oh, they're actually now in control of other people because they start entering other people's dreams. That's what they, mm-hmm. they make them forbidden so other humans won't help this group of people who's killed a hive of phoners. Mm-hmm. There's, I, I like the little complexities. I just wish it was better. <laughs> I, yeah, listening to you talk about it, Josh, like gives me this moment where I'm like, oh, that was good. No. <laughs> you <laughs> did a really good job. About. Yes, yes. All right, let's uh, talk about Dreamcatcher. Let's, <laughs> let's, Christ. What, who's, what's your favorite shit weasel? Jeez. <laughs> okay, the best part about Dreamcatcher, the camaraderie between the friends. Mm, yep. And the idea of the mind palace. Yeah. I can do without like the military stuff, but I usually can. But those components, there's like the bones of, I feel like both of these books, they're the bones of a really good solid story. <laughs> I don't know if I agree about Dreamcatcher. <laughs> well, the idea of, because I think we talked about this, had it remained this story of when those first few chapters, when these friends, like they have all these sort of different abilities mm-hmm. and they meet back up together, they go to the cabin. And then this very strange thing happens. This guy comes out of nowhere and there is something unsettling about him. Mm-hmm. Continue on with that story. And okay. I think, Ben, you were the one who pointed that out. Like, that is a good story. Okay. That is, uh, I, I think, the the story's biggest problem is scope. Mm-hmm. Like, it it gets, there. there's too much. It was trying to be like an it. 
Yeah, mm. it, it's when it it becomes this big thing about like the military cordon. It becomes so much less interesting. Mm-hmm. It becomes so much harder to follow. Like I, I, if I had to describe the plot of Dreamcatcher to someone who had no idea what Dreamcatcher was about, <laughs> I don't think I could do it. I, 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 I don't know. There's like a weird, a weird red fuzz that <laughs> makes people poop monsters, and the military's mad about it. I don't know. Just, you did it. I mean, that's yeah, that accurate. pretty good. And also, there's a magic little kid that is problematic at best. Yeah. Uh, and I, man, I hate that. It's like something happens to my brain every time I watch the movie. I know it's not a good movie, mm. but all the the actors in it has got such a great cast. It's a really good cast. I will I watch anything with Timothy Oliphant. Yes, mm-hmm. and I will watch it every few years. And it's not until the end where I'm like, "Wow, this was sucks. that a mistake?" <laughs> Wait, when is it when Duddits turns into an alien? Is that when it loses <laughs> I you? God, that yeah, happened. And they, yeah. and they like sixteen. And he just yells, the- "I Duddit!" Yeah, they, <laughs> they, I Duddits, and then they sexy merge. <laughs> It sucks <laughs> so, bad. so bad. <laughs> we are reading the book, though, but yeah. I have uh, to mention the whole the movie. thing. The book is not. I <laughs> Mind I, Palace is a cool concept that I wish we. I, I I want that to come back in something good. Sure, read the uh, Hannibal Lecter series of books, except it, for Hannibal. In a Stephen read. King book, I mean. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that we <fine>. cover. <laughs> Maybe there is. <laughs> It's very interesting. I, I remember this book really losing me less than halfway, but there were certain things that when I think about it now, the uh, when they rescue the guy and bring him in and he's just farting all the time and they're trying to keep a straight face and they get him in the bed and they lay him down and before they close the door, he farts another really big one and they have to sprint outside mm-hmm. so they can start laughing about this. And then it is within 20 pages that the bathroom scene is happening with beaver and it's it escalates so quickly in that moment and yeah all all the cabin stuff all the stuff with the the core group is so good but yeah the child childhood stuff is Mm -hmm. really cool was beaver matthew lillard or who am i who was who played beaver jason jason lee yeah the other Uh, the the fuckaroo and fuckaro (laughs) who else is gonna say that and make it actually yeah a listenable dialogue matthew lillard oh yeah Yeah. matthew lillard would he made it work better in the movie than it does in the book yes absolutely you did like some of the military stuff with the other group yeah uh i mean it gave me emil brodsky uh that he won our first Big Steve yeah. award. The the soldier mm. who takes a group just to Canada right. <laughs> to get away from the military when when all the shit flies off the handle and everybody's killing each other. And there were some of the Mr. Gray stuff that I did really like. Yeah. The like when he eats all that bacon and then just vomits because he ate a bunch of raw bacon like a maniac. The uh, Mr. Gray discovering things is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I did like those parts yeah. too. Yeah, it's that's that's pretty much all the stuff that I could say positive for Dreamcatcher. <laughs> uh, ben, the, you're the first vote. <laughs> Sell versus Sell, Dreamcatcher. I fucking guess. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> wow, I I so honestly <laughs> I struggle to think. Um, I tend, I think. 
the further I get from really consuming any media, <laughs> the more I end up liking it, mm. unless I hate it. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Listen, that's fine. <laughs> it's just I struggle to think of a redeeming factor for Dreamcatcher. I I thought it's just a bad. It's a mess. <laughs> it's not King's fault. Famously, uh, I think he was writing this under unoptimal condi- sure. conditions, but it's just, it's a rough read. <laughs> so, yeah, sell. Look, of the, when this was a Patreon selection from my mom, <laughs> and it is the lowest chambray shirt score I have ever given a book. Oh. I gave this book two <laughs> because I just, I couldn't. So I'm going with sell. What do you guys think I'm going to do? I think you're going to go with sell. Interesting, because I'm going to have to go with Dreamcatcher. Interesting. Just because in recalling, I enjoy the moments that we just talked about from Dreamcatcher that I liked more than Cell in its entirety. Even though Dreamcatcher has, as you could take all of the problematic parts of Dreamcatcher, take them out of the book, and it'd be about the same thickness, <laughs> same length as Cell. I just, there's more for me to enjoy in Dreamcatcher. So it's going to get my vote. Make Dreamcatcher the length of the Colorado kid, and I'm on board. Mm. That's a five out of five Blue Chambray yeah, shirt story. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> all right. We have Cell moving on. Oh, why? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not the movie. Uh, not the movie. <laughs> that's a little better. Not much. <laughs> Let's watch the beginning of Cell again, guys. You know, that's uh, Cell. My Cell rating was my. I have two big regrets on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Salem's Lot. I, I want to give it another go. I want to give it another chance. Same. And giving Cell <laughs> five blue chambray shirts. So th- this was my moment to redeem myself, giving there a vote is. to Dreamcatcher. Fair enough. All right, our next matchup we have it versus Dolores Claiborne. It's a big one. Who wants to go first? Okay, let's just get it out of the way. Dolores Claiborne, great book. Very different kind of book from it. I would, I will never revisit it. It's just too painful to read for me personally. Not the book's fault. Uh, Dolores herself is a fascinating character who I had a lot of respect for. And I didn't enjoy my time with her, but I... I was really rooting for her and I really liked her and it gave us that well scene mm-hmm. which was such a the the eeriness and the horror of kind of how that like went from real life yeah this is an upsetting situation when she pushes him or when he falls down the well to kind of like the um where it sort of steps outside of reality paired with her physical exhaustion was really really cool and I think that's what stands out to me the most. Yeah. I'm going to try and hype myself up about this book as much as I can, just for its sake, going up against an obvious powerhouse. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I remember it being an incredibly well-written book. Uh, I think it's one of his best, just like one-on-one character study books. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember we got so into Dolores' story that... I, it was me, and I can't remember which one of you forgot that Vera had died <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's it's a it's a very interesting story, but it's so. It, I mean, it's just such a small story. Yeah, it is difficult. To, the, these two are just apples and oranges mm-hmm. comparing 
such an intimate portrayal of this woman's life with the epic (laughs) that is it. Yeah, I can't really even think of anything to say beyond what CM already said. I guess it makes me want to read Gerald's game more. Because I know oh, there's a connection yeah. there the, during the eclipse, but standing on its own as its own book, uh, I think it's just fine. You know, I really loved the way it was told. The fact that there are no chapter breaks; it is purely <laughs> Dolores sitting across the table from the police and <laughs> the woman from the mainland who's recording all of it, and and the the side tangents that she, when she brings it back to the people in the office, it just everything about Dolores's personality yeah. was so easy to connect to her. And the moments that could be charming were excessively charming. The spots that were dark were so dark. I wanted to sob forever. And that's just real strong writing. Mm-hmm. It's such powerful writing, but it, you're, I think you're right. It's, in comparison, it is small. So let's talk about the the heavy hitter. What jumps out at you about it of all of the things? <laughs> it's, it's fucking it. When you think of Stephen King, odds are there's one of three books you think of as like quintessential King. I have read it like three times, maybe mm-hmm. more. And I remember we were all like, damn, the way it starts, just the brutality of this beginning with Georgie and how like instantly you're connected to these two brothers and for the rest of the book to live up to that moment is astounding. It, it is. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's, it's an epic. It is such a massive book, not just length, but just scope and detail. It, it's rare. You know, there aren't as many, how do I want to put this? This book is as scary as people that don't read King think King is. Does that make sense? That's yeah. perfect. Yes. That blurb should go on the book. Like <laughs> it, it is when I growing up, my fear of the King books in my basement. This is the one that like when I thought, oh, these must be the scariest books in the world. Yeah. Uh, this is the one that I was like, yeah, I was. It's pretty close. Was it, was it the reptile? Yeah, cover. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like a rite of passage really, to yeah. read this when you're not an adult. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, it, it's something else. I mean, I know I just said about the the highs and lows of Dolores in that story, and the fact that he can do all that is incredible. But the fact that he does it with seven individual mm-hmm. characters. In this one book, you get that whole ride from virtually all of these characters. And the fact that the jumping back and forth in time, especially towards the end, never gets confusing. Yeah. Mm. Is incredible to me because it's such a rapid back and forth. And yeah, the fact that the two halves of the book are so distinct mm-hmm. and yet blend together so well is really awesome. It was very cool. Going from the the miniseries trying to do it as the book and then seeing how it chapter one and chapter two, seeing that it can be told in either one of those ways yeah. is really interesting It were that it works kind of no matter how you tell it. And there's like and there's so many commentaries about so many things in it that 
there is something that resonates with literally any person who reads it, whether it's touching on one of the social issues, whether Mm -hmm. it's touching on the deep personal fears. It's so relatable in such a horrifying way. The the Mm -hmm. fact that it works as a coming-of-age novel, that it is arguably a romance uh <laughs> midlife crisis it, there yeah you're right there's a little bit of everything and also some of the scariest shit that you will read and so well written the fact that patrick hockstetter is not the you take the patrick i mean i've said this before you take the patrick hockstetter part out of this book you put it in a short story collection it's my favorite uh, <laughs> stephen king short story it's horrifying and just the fact that this book is littered with so many horrifying creatures and people i remember i went through that part once because i knew i had to and then on the rereads and re-listens to prep for the episodes i skipped it because i Good just could, I couldn't Fair. i That's couldn't the do right it choice. i i skipped a lot of him like the the dogs stuff mm-hmm. and the baby brother Ooh. stuff god Ooh, i forgot all about yeah. that until right this second sorry uh, yeah and he just goes back to watching cartoons uh-huh. what a maniac and he's not the scariest thing in the book <sighs> <laughs> it's so crazy yeah i think that's uh let's uh go around do, i think do I'm, we need to i we do for for, <laughs> for formality for sake. Sake. Oh, fine. <laughs> uh hey ben you can't get screwed on this one going third uh i'm gonna <laughs> nice. go with it it. <laughs> I, was, I was about to do the same thing. I was going to pull the fate. No, it. It's it's it. It's it. Yeah. All right. Round three. Why uh, are you? Why are you like? You straightened up. Because you I'm, got closer to oh the mic. Boy. You did a shoulder like oh, you're stretching. I don't I've like been, this. Oh, bed. here we go. Here we go. This round, the gunslinger mm. versus the talisman. Interesting. No, this is not a difficult. Really? No. Wow. This is not close. That's crazy. This is going to be controversial, I feel like, because <laughs> I, I feel like there is a common feeling in the, the King fandom about one of these books that is wrong. I think most people are wrong. Fair enough. Uh, uh, I, who You want to start? I'll then? start. I constantly, constantly, uh, I'm, I'm. <laughs> On Reddit, trolling uh, <laughs> the the Stephen King subreddit, and I am constantly seeing people say, "Can I skip the Gunslinger? The Gunslinger isn't a good book." And those <sighs> people are wrong. Truth, exactly. It's such a good. It's I without the Gunslinger, Roland's arc is not nearly as interesting. It's not, and I'm going to amend that without the original version of the gunslinger because his arc basically is really not anything in the revised. Disagree. It's not. I'm being hyperbolic. It's not quite that severe, but (laughs) I mean, we we went through both versions Mm -hmm. on those episodes, and it's it changes a lot for me. The revised. Sorry, which is not the point of this, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, it's... The Gunslinger is... I was about to say my second favorite Dark Tower book, and that's not true. But it is it is so good. It's an awesome action book. It sets Roland up as an absolutely fascinating character because he is a total bastard. And that's what makes him... Like, without seeing him 
as the absolutely ruthless murder machine he Mm -hmm. is in the first book. Him being the hero that saves so many people by the end of the series, it's not as compelling. Right. I agree. It's very, what's interesting to me is that I think that that opinion is, of course, built on the backs of the rest of the series. Mm. Whereas taking the gunslinger as a standalone, I understand why some people are just like, I. how many times, like, we've talked about it. So we talked about it during Thinner, having protagonists that are like, God, this I fucking hate yeah. this guy. And for most people, when they read The Gunslinger, they fucking hate Roland. I did. I I have yeah. I mean, Gunslinger is my least favorite of all the Dark Tower books, Ooh, personally. Really? Yeah, it really is. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just because it's so short and concise, I don't feel mm. the need to really ever go back cuz the the whole story can be summed up in like five sentences. <laughs> I don't know about that, <laughs> but sure. If you no. if you were watching like a previously on like a TV show, like you could recap the Gunslinger in like a tight five. I guess, but with editing, you can do anything. That's true. What an argument, fellas! <laughs> <laughs> Classic film argument. <laughs> I remember reading the Gunslinger as a teenager, and the character of Roland, even in like this first one, but especially as we go through. But I, I think the first one is my second favorite. Wizard and Glass might be my first. Mm. Wizard and Glass is hands down it's my amazing. favorite. That's when I really fell in love with him. Yeah. I was like, oh, like the, I think it was my first real like hardcore book yeah. crush. I, oh, no, I have to say, Drawing of the Three is my favorite. That's then a really good one, second too. One. Close second. Yeah. Gunslinger third. So on and so forth. <laughs> but it's, this character is just so... I don't know. He's he's a character who just lives in my head. Like it reading that book influenced me as a person in a way. Mm-hmm. And I so I think I feel very protective of it because it feels like it's a part of me. I wonder cuz I when I by the time I read it, I could read all 7 in a row cuz everything had come out. Sure. And that's exactly what I did. But I wonder how many people who were reading them as they came out didn't pick up drawing of the three because of how much they detested Roland and and that character and not having any idea that his arc would change the way it does. Cause I mean, just drawing of the three alone changes him so sharply having to adapt uh, to the new circumstances he's found mm-hmm. himself in. And I, I think that the people who maybe didn't pick up drawing of the three afterwards definitely did themselves a disservice because dark tower that's, I just that's mandatory reading. That's mm-hmm. it's amazing. But I can see why, because a lot of I know a lot of people just couldn't stand Roland. I think, too, to be fair to all of us and anybody listening who has an opinion either way about the gunslinger, I cannot divorce the rest of this series from my experience of this book standalone. I can't do oh, yeah. it. So much stuff with like Jake, especially. Yeah, I it's reading it. it it's. I don't know how to say this in a good way, but reading it is exciting to me because it's like, and then I get to do this. Like the story gets to unfold in front of me again. But I do agree, like Ben, having having it the way it is with that first book is such a unique introduction. And it's such a weird, it's like this kind of fantasy, Western, almost romance murder Mm, book. 
I mean, in the first one, Roland's for sure a male power fantasy. Like, mm-hmm. he sh- certainly is. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 you're exactly right, though. You can't divorce it from... When you know the whole story, it's impossible to mm-hmm. separate it because you know the depths that you find in Roland. And you know what? I think that's okay. Yeah. I think that yeah. makes it even more interesting. Uh, listeners, could you do me a personal favor and uh, pay us money to read the next three uh, <laughs> Dark Tower books? Yes, yeah, I'm for um, Patreon. We can stop tier. after that for a while. <laughs> I don't ha- I don't feel an immediate urge to read Wolves of the Kala on, Same. but right now <laughs> I could go for Wizard and Glass. Mm-hmm. And I usually reread that series, and I've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> you just got like your eyes got scary. See I clenched my fist <laughs> and I dug my fingernails into my palms yeah, the, on accident, and it hurt. <laughs> do you have little half moons? I yeah. Do. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the talisman. The talisman to me is an epic in one go. It is such a an awesome story. The roller coaster that Travelin' Jack takes, the uh, Oatley's Tap. Oatley's Tap is burned into my brain forever because it's so horrific. And at the same time, reading it a second time, knowing how much worse it's going to get. When we covered it for the show, I'd completely forgotten about Sunlight Gardener. And in mm-hmm. the home for wayward boys. Yeah. Fucking it's like, uh, that was one of the few things that I remembered when yeah. we started covering it. Because the pit was something that really fuck, fucking stuck with me. Reading about a kid on this crazy journey is always awesome. Especially when you're still kind of a kid and you read it. And I read it when I was a teenager again. It's interesting, though, rereading it. I like that nostalgia didn't stay with me. And I still enjoyed it. But I get more out of my recollections of the story and what happened than when I was actually reading it again. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. This might be a weird statement. I think I, and and especially knowing that this book does have a sequel that I haven't read. Um, But I think I would have liked the talisman a lot more if it itself were a series. Oh yeah. Um, Because I like the world building I like the idea of the Twinners and Mm -hmm. the idea of the territories. And I wish we had more, I I wish we had explored the territories more. I wish there was more because it's so Mm self-contained. And uh, I don't know if it had been, like I said in the first episode of this March Madness, I like big, huge sprawling casts of characters Mm -hmm. and this was a little too contained there's Hmm. there's really not i i want this to be like uh stephen king's westeros basically (laughs) yeah Um, wow (laughs) but it's not it's uh very simple really when you put it down Hmm. a fantasy book and fantasy's not my favorite i'm a giant fantasy fan so that's why (laughs) that makes it hard it did give us wolf Gave us Which, wolf. And Ben, you are right. It, it gave us a lot. Like, a, yeah. A lot of really cool world building. And I do like it. It ties into the Dark Tower, too. So it feels mm-hmm. like another piece of that. Yeah. I, I, know, I just think, yeah, Wolf was great. How great would it have been? Book two. This is one of Wolf's siblings. Uh, one of mm-hmm. Wolf's, another member of Wolf's pack. And their continued adventures in the world. We find out more about 
the territories side of things mm-hmm. and how I don't know. I I think that would be interesting, but instead it's like, oh, it's over and now the sequel, the the main character's yeah. uh an adult and I don't know what it's about, but <laughs> I have read it. It's I, awesome. I have I'm look sorry, yeah. I keep looking over your head at the bookshelf <laughs> where it's at. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. I what I like about the talisman so much is maybe it is also because I love fantasy so much that we get so many little rules and little things that in the end aren't the uh, deus ex machina kind of plot point. Like, mm. um, for example, the the way some items change when you flip. Mm. Mm-hmm. I I was fascinated by the fact that Morgan Slope just found a key to a tiny music box, but holding it, he, he knew this is something there. Mm-hmm. And it's this bitch in a lightning rod <laughs> and i love the way they I, i'm forgetting uh gardener's son creepy monster boy yeah i'm not gonna remember. oh no i'm pretending matter. like right. i would yeah but like the, the small details like when we know that if one of the twinners dies the other one will maybe die sometime soon but mm-hmm. it's not immediate it's not the same way mm-hmm. but there are things like the way that one person is injured in one world um, and then, oh, it's, it's Sunlight Gardener. Cause it's, I've thought about his son cause it's after the, the fight mm, at the yeah. train, train yard. And it's that when we see Sunlight again, he has an eye patch because of like yeah. the way other things impacted it, all of that. And I loved the, the, um, the prep school mm-hmm. that weird, the weird world melding that happens yeah. in that whole time that it seemed like they were they weren't in the territories they weren't in our world but they were somewhere else in their own little thing and the thing that i love about that kind of fantasy is you discover the rules the rules stay fairly consistent but not every rule has to mean something it's, it's like just, mirrored but not perfectly yeah, which is cool it's just it's something that exists and it's a rule you know and it builds the world and it doesn't have to be the the end all be all mm-hmm. But for me, it's the Black Hotel. That, <laughs> the whole finale in the Black Hotel is just a can't put the book down for me. I always forget about that stupid talking spider. <laughs> <laughs> the fushing thief <laughs> spider that's in the Black Hotel. Oh I God, forget about right. it every time until I read it. And I'm like, oh, this is stupid <sighs> what fucking What a little cutie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I uh, think that's it. CM, you have the first pick. Oh, Josh, you made a really good case. For the talisman and it is very good can we just like get rid of cell and <laughs> so unfair i'm for me personally though i'm gonna have to go gunslinger just because it's such a important book in my library mm-hmm. ben it's absolutely gunslinger um the talisman's fine it's it's in my head uh a middling book i i didn't hate reading it mm-hmm. but it it's not the gunslinger, man. Honestly, I'm glad because this would have been a hard one. If you'd said talisman, I would have had a hard time making that third round call. But because you made it easy for me, I'm going to go talisman. Sure. <laughs> I feel like it would be strange if a Stephen King podcast did not move the gunslinger. Yeah, forward. except for people who hate the gunslinger. They're wrong. <laughs> I'm just sorry. Say that. I, I, Everybody's entitled I try to, to respect. <laughs> I, I try my best. But you're fucking wrong. But in some <laughs> situations, 
there's just objective truth. And one of those is that the gunslinger rules. Oh my God. Made such a great movie. I mean. Oh no, don't, don't. <laughs> I, and I've, I, I do remember when we did The Gunslinger, several emails asking if we were going to do the movie. And I said, no, we can't do the movie until we've covered the final book. Yeah, because it's, it's not The it's Gunslinger. The, yeah, it's, it's, the Dark it's, Tower. it's The Dark Tower movie. All right. It's, <laughs> yeah. a, it's time for our last matchup of this round. Makes me so mad. That they, I know. What? Yeah. Like, it, it, they, <laughs> what have you done, Josh? How dare they? <laughs> Make Idris Elba be in a bad movie. Yes. How dare oh, they? What a fucking tragedy. You know, we're he not going to get him as Roland again. Oh, and he tragedy. Was just, there, and there are Matthew petitions Ma- out to Matthew have him be. Matthew McConaughey. Roland. Exactly. Is, he, he was a, I'm sorry, man. He was a terrible, terrible Walter. But, okay, think about him in True Detective. Mm, yeah, Matthew yeah, McConaughey. McConaughey's can fucking act. amazing. They, Fucked that up so bad. Okay, we we so have to angry. move on. I am so obsessed. <laughs> is so goddamn mad. <laughs> I see. If nothing else, this will get people to go on Patreon and make us read the rest of the book, so <laughs> that we so CM has to watch the movie. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, our last matchup for this round, we have The Shining versus Insomnia. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I got opinions. I'll save them. <laughs> um, I'll go first. Let's talk about Insomnia. Because it is also quite an epic unto Mm -hmm. itself. Uh, And it's another one of those books that so many, when you treat it set piece to set piece, just kicks ass. For me, there is a significant amount of downtime for between some of (laughs) those. But the fact that the story is so complex that things you don't think are necessarily going to impact one another in the end, everything kind of comes together to impact something somewhere I think is very cool. And I am not only fascinated by Dorrance and his rainbow mm-hmm. aura that I have a million questions about still, still want to know about the green man, still need to know about that, but Atropos's lair. Yeah. Holy <laughs> fuck. That's cool. And the, the little homage is like having uh gauge creeds sneaker oh. in his, the, I, I just, I want to see, I want to, explore Atropos's museum of <laughs> Muse- torment museum <laughs> I remember being so excited to read this again I read it in high school and the just the the concept of what this is burned into my brain forever and the whole like aura balloon string thing mm-hmm. and the little doctors it is such a fascinating idea and thing to read about and so interesting to put us in the shoes of is it Ralph? Yeah. Yeah, to put us in the shoes of Ralph. And like this I don't know, it reading it as an adult it was a little harder to relate to him, which I don't know should have been easier cuz I'm getting closer <laughs> to his age, but the the journey that he takes is it's like burned into my brain forever just the the experiences of those characters. And when you think about that, this was specifically done to Ralph, but when he has no idea for so long, why am I just not sleeping? Ed come to find out. And part of that, the little doctors, the, when they do the, uh, elevating through the hospital, Mm -hmm. like that whole sequence when they're having the conversation, watching the days go, it's so fucking cool. And I love when a book will make something that happens to you kind of like when we read the stand and then like, if you get sick while you're reading that or anytime (laughs) near after you're like, Oh, this feels worse. This feels, this is scarier than it would otherwise be. (laughs) 
not being able to fall asleep <laughs> while reading this or having any sleeping problems, it, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh shit, I'm going to start seeing auras and balloon strings. And you're like half excited and half like terrified. And then just as an adult, you're like, <laughs> insomnia is a bunch of cool metaphysical <laughs> ideas that do not add up to a story. <laughs> it is the it is I I would love to read uh the pretty much the same premise following any other characters. <laughs> uh, I think Ralph is boring. <laughs> I think uh anything outside of the idea of the auras and the idea of this like world behind the world that mm -hmm. you can only access by having this heightened brain state from mm -hmm. not sleeping that's all super cool and then you're like uh, the the story is just this kind of shaggy dog story of like but why is all this happening what is and the the ending is just so it, oh, you get the Crimson King. We have, it's another yeah, it's it's Dark all, Tower book. It's Keystone all just book. a setup for... It, it's the same reason I don't like a bunch of the Marvel movies. It's like, <laughs> oh, there's a bunch of cool visuals and stuff, but it's a commercial for something else. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I have always had a problem with Patrick, um, I think... Mm. He, if he had been, if we had been given any reason to care about him, other than he is just a kid that shows up a couple of times throughout the book, and then at the end you find out is the MacGuffin. Uh, I was so surprised by that because I'd read the other books before I'd read this, so I knew how that goes, mm -hmm. and I really thought it would be more prevalent. And I thought there'd be more and after we finish it finding out, Oh, that's it. Uh, we're yep. being intentionally yes. vague for yeah. listeners. Very intentionally vague for everything. spoilers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. Who, uh, the shining, who wants to kick us off? The shining is one of the best books ever written. Yep. It's the second time it's happened to me on this podcast. I hadn't read something. I read it and I was like, fuck, this is one of my favorite books. Yep. And I was so pleased to, because a lot of, I mean, we've been talking about it a couple times on this episode, you know, Insomnia, for example, and The Talisman. A couple of things I read as a teenager didn't quite hit me the same, mm -hmm. The Dead Zone. And so to, to get a book that just blew me away instead of being like, oh man, like when you're not <laughs> a kid, it's, yeah, and you're not having this certain experience, it doesn't have the same impact, is so delightful. The, every line in this book is beautifully written. The story that's being told is amazing and upsetting. And, and it's not about the movie, but the movie <laughs> is yep. so fucking cool. The sound, the editing, the shots, and the, the TV series. The miniseries, great man. Too. You, there's so much to dive into mm. with The Shining beyond the book. It's it's unfair. It's unfair mm. to put this against anything. <laughs> you realize that there's another episode after this. I'm not going to do it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bold choice. <laughs> uh yeah, the this book um 
I feel the same way I feel about Pet Cemetery. Um, it is mm. not a good King book. It is an astoundingly good book, period. Mm-hmm. It is unreal. It's unreal how well written every mm-hmm. page. There is something devastating. <laughs> it's I the the shining is uh, a feeling I don't get a lot is finishing a book and wanting to immediately start it again. Mm-hmm. And if we had not had to move on to whatever we read after The Shining, I would have. It's unreal. It is top three best king. It's a nearly perfect <laughs> yeah. book. What is there to say? <laughs> uh, Jack Torrance is is my Annie Wilkes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want... I want him to be okay so badly. I want to root for him so badly. And it's heartbreaking to watch the struggle that he goes through. And the the literary layers, like how much time did we spend talking about the wasp's nest and how the wasp's nest is everything, essentially. Yeah. Like that it's so much of it just ties together so nice and neat. And I, I can't get enough. I absolutely love it. I'm so excited that uh, we have Dr. Sleep coming up uh, because I've read it. You guys haven't. I'm wary. I, <laughs> the Shining is so good mm-hmm. that the idea of writing a sequel to it is insane to me. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I want to read it. Uh, but I don't know it has a whole lot to live up to. It can't <laughs> possibly live. Okay, I don't want to talk about it right, right. now. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I think we're, we've talked it all out. Ben, mm-hmm. you're up first. It's The Shining. It's an, uh, it's The Shining. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't have anything clever to say. It's yeah. good. Go read The Shining again, everyone. I could use more Dick Halloran. It's yeah. definitely The Shining, <laughs> though, for sure. CM? For a minute. I, I was so excited that we were talking about The Shining that I forgot what the book we just <laughs> talked about before that was. I was like, what is Wait, it about what, the insomnia? Oh, right. Oh, yeah. It's not. No. <laughs> I'm uh. glad you also forgot. Uh, clearly, The Shining. <laughs> insomnia would have lost against a much worse book than this. <laughs> All right. Um, we, we finished round two, but... Before we leave, I want to recap what our matchups are going to be for round three. Mm. So strap in. We have The Outsider versus Needful Things, Christine versus The Dead Zone, Cell versus It. (laughs) I couldn't say that with a straight face. (laughs) And The Gunslinger versus The Shining. And that is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where... (sighs) Someone's going to brack my heart. (laughs) Yes! 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 Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to March Madness Part 2. We hope you enjoyed it. If you like these episodes and you haven't heard our prior year March Madness extravaganza, go back and listen. We have so much fun doing these episodes for you guys. As always, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio and Twitter at Dairy Public. You can also send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon page for bonus episodes and early releases and our Etsy store for Dairy Public Radio and Stephen King merchandise. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye. <laughs>